Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Welcome, everyone. So glad you're tuning in today because you're going to learn a lot. Today is May 8th, 2019, and we're going to be talking with Richard Gabriel. He is the CEO of the Genius Company, and we're going to be discussing new precision cancer therapies. Unfortunately, the statistics are one out of three are now being diagnosed with cancer. I remember maybe 10 years ago, it was one out of eight. So it is escalating, and we really do need to know what the latest therapies are and what companies are working on to solve this dilemma. And it's a big one. So let's bring Richard onto our show now. Welcome, Richard. Well, thank you very much, Denise. It's a real pleasure to be here, and uh, I hope uh, we're able to uh, pass on some important knowledge on this uh, this field uh, that uh, that impacts nearly everyone on the planet. It really does. Before we get started, why don't you give a little um, background on yourself? I have your bio, but it's quite lengthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because I'm quite old. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'm uh, I'm just joking. Uh, I know you are. But you know, uh, it, it, yeah, it, experience uh, does come with age. It is one of the benefits of getting older, and despite what most people think, uh, there are benefits to it, and one of them is experience. Um, I have a BS in chemistry. I grew up in the in the uh, specialty chemical industry, you know, running uh, large uh, uh, chemical operations, you know, large kettles with reactors, and learning how to do that. And then um, went back into research, uh, worked for a variety of companies, then went out in the business world, um, and then went into product management. Um, I, my last job was with uh, industry was with WR Grace. I worked for him twice. Um, and I ran a $50 million product line um, with about 300 people uh, in it. And uh, then I started my first company in 1984, which was uh, a, a coily name, Gabriel Consulting. And it built a pilot plant in North Andover, Massachusetts. And I did my first drug master file registration and received my first DMF number in 1986. Uh, made my first drug in 1986 and got inspected. Uh, the product was shipped. And 
that kind of started me in the industry. Um, my, my first drug actually was an animal veterinary uh, product and it wasn't a human product. Uh, then in about 1990, uh, I was consulting for a company out in California uh, called Pharmaco Laboratories, and I found out it was for sale, and myself and two other individuals scraped up enough coin. Uh, we convinced the French company that was selling it that they should sell it to us, and mm -hmm. we moved it from Simi Valley, California to Lexington, Massachusetts. And uh, the most important part of that was it had uh, uh, three contracts. The first contract was the cancer contract oh. uh, for the NCI. And the second one was the AIDS contract, which oddly was with the NCI as well. And the third contract was a Walter Reed Army Hospital contract for infectious diseases. Wow. So I got my, uh, got my, uh, uh, my stars and stripes um, the hard way. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we, we ran that company for... Uh, uh, 10 years, ran the AIDS program and cancer program. So, I've, you know, we've made every cancer drug, every AIDS drug that was ever uh, up until 2000 when the company was sold. And then um, I started uh, consulting and, um, you know, did various other things, including working or running a genetics company, uh, which is completely out of my expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, ran into the folks at uh, Precision Therapeutics. Uh, you know, myself and uh, one other partner have a oncology company uh, called uh, GLG Pharma. Uh, but uh, my my uh, seat on the board at Precision Therapeutics uh, also uh, they asked if I could help uh, form this tumor genesis effort, which uh, we're going to talk about today. And that's the real focus is, you know, what, what is tumor genesis? And um, you, you can ask me anything you want about it, and I'll, I'll tell you everything I know. <laughs> well, this is going to be so that, that's very, it. That's very... That's it in a nutshell, the background. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a very, very interesting interview. So what are you doing over there at Tumor Genesis? Yeah, so this, the, the, so tumor genesis. If you think about the name, you know, how did we come up with the name? Well, so, you know, about ten years ago, um, the NCI and a lot of researchers figured out that the cancer cells that the NCI has been screening drugs against uh, that were grown on plastic and glass surfaces and other non-biological surfaces really didn't represent the cancer cells that were in humans. Uh, this was a profound discovery. Uh, it, Wait, unfortunately... This, um, were, were these done as blood assays or assay tests, or was this under microscope? Lines, yeah. Uh, there's two breast... I think it just had its 50th anniversary. So 50 years ago, this cancer cell line was taken out of the woman that died of that cancer okay. and has been fertilized and used as a test vehicle to screen drugs and to develop new therapies across. Now, what, what none of us knew, and, you know, and this is all, everyone that works in oncology, and I've been in okay. oncology now, 
for quite a long time, you know, mostly on the business side of it and trying to translate how you, what do you do with a problem as big as this, right? How, mm-hmm. how do you build a business that is successful and, and how do you bring technologies that mean something to the researchers that are working in it? That's, that's the focus of tumor genesis. So what they found out is that the surface of uh, the plastic uh, actually stresses the tumor cells into behaving completely differently than if they were in the body. Oh, my gosh. And that caused different things to light up and to give us false direction. So this really was the crux of a discovery that was done by many, many researchers complaining about it. And finally, the NCI, uh, I I believe it was in 2016, uh, basically killed uh, their own 60 cell lines, which all of us used in the industry. So, you know, you can't point to some one individual and say, you know, this was a big mistake. No, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It's a a learned process. We all learned. And and there were actually many great discoveries that were, you know, discovered and brought to the market uh, that are now drugs using these cell lines. So it wasn't a complete failure, but, you know, it wasn't as good as what we would like to, to have been. So basically the, the, the environment of the cancer cell is extremely important to screening the drugs that would tell whether a patient's tumor is going to react positively to the treatment or not. That's really why this okay. is so important. Mm-hmm. And so tumor genesis says, uh, you know, is, it's basically you're sort of looking at an iceberg, right? Think of an iceberg. Okay. So we're, you know, we, and, and it's in a hurricane, okay? So there's a lot of wind but the darn thing isn't moving. I mean, it's just because the wind surface has nothing to do with the, the biology, which is the, the iceberg part of the cancer mm-hmm. that is underneath the water. It's the currents of the cancer, you know, the currents that are moving it, uh, not the wind surface. So we, we've just been studying the surface and we haven't actually, you know, we have, we're, we're just now getting to the point with artificial intelligence and other tools to really begin to understand what's underneath the water and how big this thing is and how complex it is. And uh, it's, a, it's a daunting task. Mm. Mm. So what, what is going to be your approach to cancer and patient screening? Well, that's a, that's a really good inqu- uh, question. And, um, so what we've done is we have, you know, well, you know, first of all, let's define how big is this problem, okay? Okay. What is the problem? You know, so pharma is in a, pharma in oncology has been in a crisis for a long time. It's, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's one of these crises that everyone complains about. Why are there so little successes? Why, mm-hmm. you know, why does it cost yes. so much? Why does it take uh-huh. so long? Well, you know. $2.6 billion of a big pharma to get a drug to market. $2.6 billion. That includes all the costs, you know, because they have a lot of failures. They have a lot of drugs going into the pipeline, and they all fail. And then they finally pick one, and then they have to amortize everything into that one drug 
when it gets approved. So that's where the $2.6 billion comes from. It takes 10 years from the discovery, and 80% of the drugs that come through discovery fail. Uh-huh. So this, you know, in, in, in 2017, only 16 oncology drugs were approved. I mean, think about that. You know, you've got 5,000 drugs in development, and only 16 are approved. Mm. So it's a it's a really big problem, but where where does it all start, right? What what causes this high failure rate? And it goes mm-hmm. back to the cancer cells that they grow in the dish, which I explained earlier. So what we've done is we've come up with a way to basically fool the cancer cells into thinking they're still inside the body. And we do that with through a variety of, of tricks, you know, we because that's what the cancer cell does to us. See, the cancer cell says to our body, oh, no, don't worry, don't worry, no, 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 no problem here. Just send more food, more food, more food, more food. Oh, I need a lot more food. And the immune system is going, well, I don't see any problem. Is there a problem here? No, 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 there's no problem, there's no problem, there's no problem. That's how cancer cells work. And mm-hmm. oh, and oh, by the way, oh no, I don't want to die. No, 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 no death. No, 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 no. They shut mm-hmm. all the death mechanisms off. So they fool our immune system. They fool our bodies into providing nourishment. They fool uh, the the systems that normal cells go through, which is called apoptosis, that right. die. So then the you know the immune system can come in, clean it up, and move it out. They do all that, and and no one knows. How? <laughs> it's very uh. complex. So we thought, okay, well, let's go back to basics. Let, let's, uh-huh. let's stop and say, okay, so we know these cancer cell lines are 40, 50 years old, and they're not working for us. So there's a big effort now. It's called patient-derived uh, cancer cell lines. And so what patient-derived cancer cell lines are all about is, you know, a patient comes into the clinic, uh, they do a biopsy, uh, the pathologist says, ooh, that's an interesting cancer. Okay. You know, they have a bunch of tools, they figure out which cancer it is, they isolate the cancer cell line, and they say, I've discovered a new cancer cell line in ovarian. Now, so let's just take ovarian. Okay. There are 25 different ovarian cancer cell lines. And each of those cell lines can have four to ten variants. So that's 25 to the fourth or the seventh or the tenth power of possible combinations that you're going to try to treat. And all of them could be different. So the tumor is extremely complex. So we decided, okay, let's go back to basics. Let's just bombard all these cells with biomarkers that we can attach to the surface and that we can separate out the cancer cells into their various cell lines. And now, then tell us what the, tell us what the biomarkers that. are. Well, the biomarkers are, are essentially um, a sequence of amino acids, so they're called peptides. And, okay. and uh, okay. all of biology on the, I, I on the cancer mm-hmm. cell surface or on the surface of a normal cell mm-hmm. communicates through, uh, you know, through 
proteins, peptides, you know, combinations mm-hmm. of sugars, and all kinds of stuff, right? It's very complicated. But it's all on the surface of the cell, right? Right. So uh, that's the important part. So what we're able to do now is we're able to tag those cells, and then we know what the tag is for the individual cell, and then we attach the tag to a, to a matrix that isn't glass or plastic or something else, but is more like what a cell has in its body. So it's, you know, it's uh, like a fibril. And so we attach it there. So then when you take the biopsy and you break it apart and you run it across um, the, uh, the well plates, the cancer cells that are from different uh, uh, families within the tumor will stick to one well and not another. And those now become pure cultures of patient-derived tumor cell lines. Okay, gotcha. Huh. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. So we're 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 trying we're not trying to figure out ahead of time what cancer wants to do. What we're doing is we're give, we're throwing billions of biomarkers at it and saying, Okay, what sticks? Mm-hmm. And then decoding it you know, using artificial intelligence and all kinds of sophisticated mathematical algorithms and then coming up with, you know, the 100 best. And then we mount those 100 best and then we screen the tumor cells across them. And and the histologists, the good part about this is you can stain them like a pathologist would do in a, in a hospital lab, drop stains on it. So then they can look at them under the microscope and say, oh, yeah, that's the cell. That's what I'm looking for. And How so long that does this process that, take? Well, it, you know, it depends on the cancer because some cancer cells grow really slow and others grow really fast. Um, so if it's a fast-growing cell, you know, it could be as little as uh, two weeks. So from the time of the biopsy or the blood sample or whatever, you could have a result within, you know, two to six or uh, 10 weeks. Um, mm. that, that's about the time. Well, um, this is kind of an interesting thing, but when a patient goes to see an oncologist and they run them through all the tests and they say, okay, you have, you know, grade four breast cancer. We need you into treatment next week. How well, it does, do you, yeah, it doesn't quite how do you work way. with on? You know, I mean, I mean, I, I've seen so many women that are just rushed in. Yeah. You know, you have breast cancer. It, well, you know, it, we've run our little genetic tests right. on it, and okay, this is the chemo drug, and you know, week after next, you're in. Yeah. So with the, your with your uh, with your laboratories, if it if it, in a, and especially with the fast growing cancer, if it if the result doesn't come back within, let's say the optimum, which is six weeks. That's a long time. I want to clarify one thing for you. Okay. Good. So the, um, the, the time period between uh, when a woman is told that she needs to come in for surgery, there's usually, you know, if it, if there is a biopsy step in between. Right. And that biopsy step has a certain timeline to it. 
Okay. okay, that's the timeline we're fitting into. All right, so we're not we're not fitting into you know. So they may do what what they call a fine needle biopsy. You know, if it's a if it's a small lump and they uh-huh. you know, it, it shows up mammogram, um, they'll do a small you know fine needle biopsy and they'll take that sample. So there's very little sample there, um, and they may actually have the woman come back. You know, so there's a one, two, three, four, five, six weeks is usually the time. If you think about, you know, I got a lump, I go to the doctor, I get a fine needle biopsy, sample okay. goes to the lab, um, you know, it comes back positive. Well, they need more samples, so then they go in for a local surgical procedure where they take the actual tumor. You know, they will do a, mm-hmm. a zone around it, and, it, you know, it may be a, the size of a dime, right? They'll excise that, and that goes to the lab. And then there's more tests run on that. And that usually, that testing period usually takes one to two weeks as well. So from the time of the lump identification to the fine needle biopsy to the, oh, my God, you've got to come in and surgical appointment is tomorrow, uh, that usually is a time period within which this testing will work. Okay. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we're we're very cognizant of that. and there are other tests out there. So there's, there's a, you know, since the NCI has abandoned the, uh, the cancer cell lines, um, the only other way of doing it other than a direct assay, which means that you have a particular biomarker, right, um, that pops up, BRCA1, BRCA2, um, or some other, you know, there's all these acronyms now. You know, PDL yes, ones. There are. A- ATKs. And, mm-hmm. You know, you you name it. They've yeah. got an acronym for it. Right. Um, it, unless you're one of those women, you're going to get standard care, standard of care, and standard mm-hmm. of care is protocol, first line defense. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in ovarian cancer, it is um, surgery. Uh, you know, which includes debulking and includes the, you know, the clean out, so to speak, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of not just the abdominal cavity, but it could also be in the pleural cavity because sometimes it breaks through the uh, diaphragm and gets up into the pleural cavity as well. That would be a stage four um, mm-hmm. ovarian cancer. So then there is a recovery period and then starts the chemotherapy. Now that, you know, so now again, now we're stretching the timeline out even more. So what okay. now fits into that timeline is called the PDX mouse. So that means a patient-derived xenograft mouse, which has a, an, a compromised immune system in which the tumors are placed into the mouse and grown in the mouse. And then uh, treatments are, are, are given to the mouse to try to kill the tumor. Now, that whole time period takes 12 to 36 weeks. Oh, my gosh. So if you have an aggressive cancer in ovarian, there's no way you're going to get treated. So we're the only choice in that case. So we're, you know, we're uh, three to six weeks. Um, And the mouse has a limited amount of um, combinations of drugs, and it has a limited... um, what we call dilution of combinations, right? 
because mm-hmm. they they cost a lot of money. They're like 125 bucks a pop. I mean, this is you know. So the mouse costs twenty five thousand to forty five thousand dollars to get an answer out of it. Oh my gosh! Okay, that an oncologist would use to prescribe the combination therapy for you oh. as a as a patient. Okay, so that doesn't work. Now it works mm-hmm. if they know if they know the target. Okay, so like, ooh, you've got the marker for PDL one. Then you know it's it's there's only two or three drugs in that regime, right? So there's you know they give you a taxol, carboplatin, and you know a PDL one inhibitor in that combination, mm-hmm. and they can put it in the mouse and they can run the you know the limited thing and they go wow this works okay you're a candidate for the pdl1 you know taxol carboplatin combination therapy that's the only case that it works but that's that's less than 10 percent you know maybe 15 percent of the women that have ovarian Mm -hmm. cancer that's not an answer okay the rest of them right it's a coin toss so Mm -hmm. you go in you get first line therapy carboplatin taxol combination IV, IP, uh, intravenous, and interperitoneal. So that you've already gone through the surgery. They've cleaned you all out. They're not sure they got everything. So they're going to give you IV taxol one week with IP. They're going to blow you up and load you up with uh, interperitoneal fluid containing carboplatin or cisplatin. They're going to, you know, roll you around, and then they're going to send you home. It's very painful. It, no. and in, in, some case, in some places, they don't use it anymore. They don't use the IP therapy. At Mass General up here in Boston does still. But if you don't have those biomarkers, that's what you get. Surgery, IVIP. Um, in the case of Mass General, it's uh, uh, Taxol carb, uh, Cisplatin. Uh, you know, uh, Johns Hopkins, it may be uh, Taxol uh, Carboplatin. And, and there's some variations of that. You know, it could be... You know, if it's a really aggressive cancer, it might be doxorubicin. You know, uh, people do play around with it. But but my mm-hmm. point is, it's a standard line therapy, okay? Well, it's so, a standard it's line. A it's, it's, it, well, it's it's a standard line therapy, and uh, I I hate to think of what the actual survival rate is. It must be really really low. Well, it's it's not as bad as it used to be, okay? Um, but it's still only about 40%. So the coin toss is no one knows why the 40% of the women survive mm-hmm. the, the combination of the first-line therapy. There's no answer. We don't, we don't know. Yeah. So this is, the ther- this is the treatment that we are developing where we take their cancer cells and just think about this, that if we run it in the lab – and we call the pathologist, or the pathologist calls the oncologist up and says, listen, this stuff works for this woman. I don't know why, right. but it works. Okay? And so now all of a sudden, the oncologist goes to the woman and says, listen, I, this is going to be painful. You're going to lose your hair. You're going to blow up like a balloon. You're going to hate yourself. This is painful. It's annoying. It's, you know, all the bad things. Don't give up hope because we think you've got a 90% chance of coming through this. Versus it's a coin toss. I don't mm-hmm. know. 
Don't mm-hmm. you think that's a much better answer for the patient? I do. I personally think that's a great well, of answer. Of course for it is. I personally wouldn't want to go through it, but, you know, I think it's a great answer. So that's well, what we're it's always It's for. always we're better to know ahead of time if, if a drug's going to work on you or not. <laughs> you know, um, I think, uh, you know, these days personalized medicine is the way to go. But unfortunately, um, some people don't have the financial resources to be able to ha- to uh, experience that. Well, it's coming. There isn't going to be a choice. Okay. So, the, you know, the good thing that everyone should take to heart about oncology is mm-hmm. that when there's a breakthrough, oncologists use it. And, you know, it, it, it especially if it's something that where they can tell a patient that the survival rate Mm -hmm. for their particular cancer has just gone up because of this test. Okay. That's a really big deal. That is because a lot of surviving oncology. Yeah. A Mm -hmm. lot of surviving oncology and cancer is hope. Yes. It's, it's belief. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's all these soft little things, but you can't give it to people if you don't have the information. And right mm-hmm. now, that's what we're trying to work toward. So this testing that we're doing is so critical to be able, because think of the cancer as a population. You know, it's, it's what, what scientists call heterogeneous. What does that mean? Homogeneous means, you know, it's all the same. Heterogeneous means it's a mixture, okay? Well, they've just suddenly figured this out. I mean, it started with uh, a a researcher, uh, Gloria Hefner, in 1984, wrote a paper that was rejected by the American uh, Cancer uh, Research uh, publication uh, where she talked about heterogeneity of cancer tumors. And I stumbled across this paper just by accident, just trying to learn about this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I read it, and I'm going, holy crap, here it is, 1984. You know, she's still, you know, she's Professor Emeritus at, I think, Michigan State University. or, or I mean, they should give her a Nobel Prize mm-hmm. because she completely changed the paradigm, right? So this is what oncology does. There, There's these points where you can go through the history of oncology, and you can see these paradigm shifts. That's what this technology is doing and will do. Mm-hmm. It, it's a paradigm shift. It's going to oh, I, allow so. researchers to capture these individual populations of this complex iceberg, right? Mm-hmm. And then isolate them and then test them because we want to kill all of them, not just the rapidly reproducing ones. So, you know, Bob Weinberg at uh, the Whitehead, uh, uh, one of his researchers discovered that it's not just the rapidly growing ones. It's the passengers. It's the ones that are just sitting there that are just going, you know, oh, thanks very much. I think I'll take a nap. And they do. Well, are they you go, talking, they, 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 and are you talking about, the, the, you talking about the, the, mother, the mother cells or the daughter cells? No. No, they're called passengers. They are. They're, I've never they're, heard they're, that. Yeah. That's, well, what? I didn't either. I mean, I just, you know, this is, this is the, this is the beauty of working in this field. 
passengers. Yes, Bob Weinberg describes them as passengers. Oh my! They're Lord. they're they're along for the ride. They're not re- reproducing very rapidly. You know, they don't do much. They're not metabolizing very much. They're not demanding anything. You know, they are cancer cells. They have cancer cell markers, but they're not a threat. The ones that are reproducing <laughs> on the outer surface of the cancer, those are the threats, right? They're the ones that are invading the uh, – they're, they're breaking through the blood system and invading other organs, you know, through the cancer stem cells. And well, stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm a little like, confused. It's, it's like a war. Well, I'm a little confused. Don't be confused. Um, confused. No, no, seriously. I, I'm, I'm a little confused because I know that every human body has circulating cancer cells, and it's the immune system that takes them out. That's correct. So aren't those, um, and maybe the passengers are, are mixed in with them? To where, if the immune no, system no, 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 the passengers ah! are usually in the tumor. <laughs> yeah, they're usually in the tumor. So they're kind of they're they're they think of it as a colony, right? Like think of oh, it as the iceberg. Oh, they're in the tumor. Okay, in yeah, the tumor. Yeah, they're in the tumor. They're just oh, hanging right. around. Oh, all right. In the blood. Okay, they're not in the blood. They're in yeah, the they're, tumor. They're, okay. they're part of the, glad, the structural I'm, mass of the tumor. They're part of the iceberg. Okay. Okay. I'm glad we got <laughs> we got that defined. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So so Wein so Weinberg found out, right, through one of his researchers, that those suckers, when you kill all the ones that are rapidly reproducing and, and causing metastasis and all this other stuff, when you kill all of them, those are the guys that mutate into being the metastatic cancers that are resistant to everything. The passengers? So his answer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. His yeah, this is just I thought, recent. But, I mean, but you, you, but you, you earlier you said that they YouTube. were along for the. But, but you earlier said they were along for the ride and that they didn't reproduce. They or are. demand anything. Yeah, but they, but they, but they mutate. They, they oh. all of a sudden, it's all of a sudden like, you know, uh, because uh, it, think of it this way: the crowd that's on the outside is eating all the food. The ones yes. that are in the inside are just sitting there going, "Oh God, I just wish I had more food." Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to work. I'm just going to lay here, right? And then all uh-huh. of a sudden, all those people are gone, and there's all this food. Oh. All of a sudden, there's all this food. And okay. so what, what they do is they mutate to then become – and they survive the chemotherapy. Okay? Uh, so now uh, they've, they've built up a mechanism of resistance, and they survive chemotherapy, and now they mutate. And they become now the virulent form that no longer has a treatment. That's mm. what they do. And so what mm. we're going to do is catch them. That's what this technology can do. We can catch them. We can identify them. We can tag them. They're like serial killers, right? <laughs> they're, not ma- they're, they're, not, they're not the mass. They're not the EDI means of cancer. Uh. <laughs> they are the serial killers. And we can identify them. We can tag them. We can identify them, we can isolate them, and then we can run different combinations because the same combination for the, the kills some metastatic cancer may not kill the passenger. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that they found out. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, so it's, it's called back to basics, right? Back to basics. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll tell you a little story. 
right? Uh-huh. So back when back when cancer was, you know, like in the turn of the century, when it was, you know, I don't know if your audience has ever read this book, but you should read it. It's called The Emperor of All Maladies. It's the it's the history of cancer. Okay. Oh sure, I've read it. And yeah, well, I've read it like five times, right? I, I know. I put it's, it down it's, for it's, three or four months, and then I pick it back book. up. I, and, it's a big book. <laughs> and every time I read it, I learn something more, right? Mm-hmm. I learn something mm-hmm. more, and it causes me to search more. You know, get, get on the internet, read more articles. You know, do whatever. I can imagine that it it, it probably has driven, you know, cancer oncologists that actually, you know, are are physicians and. And have patients in certain, yeah. yeah. It, it 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 probably has. I'm sure they they read it over and over and over again. Well, it um, it it creates more questions than it than it has answers to. Well, but that's because we don't have answers. I know. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh about this, but you know, no, we, know. we're just scratching the surface. We're scratching mm-hmm. the surface. We're you know, and now we have all this computer power, we, which, you know, 10 years ago we didn't have. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. Now, you know, we have artificial intelligence, we have data mining, we have machine learning. You know, we have now new testing methods. Now we figured out that the cancer cells are heterogeneous, they're complex. You know, they don't operate the same way that we think they operate. And now we can isolate them. So mm. now we can start against them. Now, uh, I assume you don't have to go through FDA approval for what it is you're doing because it's not a drug, correct? Well, no, but we have to go through. There's a organization called CLIA, which all hospitals have. You know, they're all CLIA certified. Okay. Um, and don't ask me what the acronym means. It, you know, it doesn't. That's all right. It, you know, if you logically try to acronym it out, it doesn't work. But you know, no. okay. so Clio Labs, Clio Labs can take any test, and what they do is they, they it's called validation, and so they run it through a validation. So they they essentially run it up and down, you know, the to make sure that everything works, the results are okay. reproducible, um, and so. They can take any test into a hospital laboratory, including ours, uh, certify it under CLIA rules and regulations, and use it in patients without FDA approval. How long does that take? Mm, how long it ever takes a lab to validate something? Usually, you know, a week or two, three. Oh, okay. At the okay. most. Okay. Yeah. So, and it, there's, um, there's no certification that they have to go through. Now, if we want to make it a diagnostic, that's different. Mm-hmm. That's okay. called the 510K. Okay. So in the case of the 510K, uh, there's different categories of 510K. Right? So uh, if it's a what they call non-interventional, that's the lowest. Uh, that would be like a, a nasal spray bottle. Right? So, okay. you know, you put a drug in a nasal spray bottle and you spray the, mm-hmm. nas- the thing up your nose. Mm-hmm. It's a device. Right? Right. So right. You're, you're saying I deliver so much drug with so much pressure and so much spray, so you 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 do a 510k that includes the drug and the bottle, and the bottle is a part of you know it's a it's a drug device combination uh, sort okay. of uh, thing. Okay. So 
<clears throat> and now if we were tying these tests to a particular drug, we would then go through a 510K. Okay. Well, so not doing perceptin, that. perceptin is an assay that is tied to a drug called Herceptin. Mm-hmm. But the Herceptin assay, nearly every woman that goes in for breast cancer uh, analysis has a Herceptin test. They check mm-hmm. it, whether she's HER2 positive or HER2 negative. Okay? Right. So diagnostic is the drug in that case. It was the first drug diagnostic combination to be approved by the FDA. That That's a biological. Okay. Huh. Are, are we getting there? We're getting there. <laughs> We're totally getting there. Um, so, <laughs> so what is your um, strategy at this point with what it is you're doing? In other words, are you out in the marketplace? What, now or you know where are you going with it uh when can we anticipate it being available for patients etc well that's a really good question um right now we are focused on building out um uh, two things uh we've licensed uh, there are uh, the university has 25 separate ovarian cancer cell lines uh, that uh, when they're cultured using a certain media, reproduce uh, to 95% the DNA and RNA signature of the original tumor. So it, compared to the cell lines that are available uh, from you know American type culture, those cell lines don't represent uh, patient tumors in the body. So these cell lines do. So they're called primary cell lines. So we've licensed those and the medias that go along with them. So there's different different medias. That's not me. (laughs) There's different medias that go along um, with each of the cancer cell lines. And then our first uh, task is to screen uh, the biomarkers against those 25 cancer cell lines. Uh, we're, we're doing 14 of them immediately because it represents 90% of the ovarian cancer. And then the next thing is to uh, mount those biomarkers onto the matrix and capture those individual cell lines. Uh, and we've done it in other areas. We did it in uh, thyroid. And we can actually separate out the different cell lines on the, on a, on a uh, 96-well plate. You can actually get them to well, the different cell lines to grow. Well, how many different types of cancers do you plan on um, doing this for? All of them. <laughs> I don't mean to be trite, but, you know. It's well, a, I, well, seriously, you're going to be doing this starting, for the next next 20 years before we get our tests. <laughs> I, 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 hope they're, I hope they're throwing. No, 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 no. We're going to have tests this year. No, we'll have. We'll have uh, so we're uh, we're going to the medias. Um, okay. We have a partner that's a distributor, so it's going out first to the research community, okay? Okay. The cancer research community. And the reason for that is we want everybody to try this technology and then write papers about it. So the way, the way diagnostics and, and uh, things are approved through the FDA okay. uh-huh. is everybody has to work on it and everybody has to criticize it. What good, bad, okay. and different, or or provide information to make it better. Okay, and that's how that's how diagnostics get approved. 
is and and drugs, frankly, is everybody goes to the body of evidence about the mechanism of action, this and that, and one one thing or another, uh, including the patient results. I mean, the patient results are the overwhelming proportion of it, but the science underneath it also, you know, the FDA review panels look at that as well. I mean, it's an uh-huh. important component. So, the more you can publish about, you know, your drugs, your diagnostics, and your devices, <laughs> the better off you are. And the way to do that is to get the researchers to do it for you. There you go. And that's what we're doing. And, you know, plus there's billions of dollars being spent on cancer research. Well, so, and you're going to you're gonna approach uh, the, the universities have the most money to do this, correct? All of them, everywhere, across the globe. Really? That's a yes. huge job. <laughs> no, not when How many no, people have a, you have working have a, for you? <laughs> <laughs> no, we have a distributor. We have a we have somebody that has ninety distributors across the globe. So he you know, he's plugged into the research communities. Uh we just have okay. to tell the story. Okay. I mean we have I was to, wondering you know, how tumor genesis. Yeah, so tumor genesis, you know, how does it fit with precision therapeutics? So precision therapeutics is focused on you know the the clinical trials market, okay? Uh huh. So you know the the patient clinical trials. So they they have the artificial intelligence. They have the CLIA laboratory in Pittsburgh. Um, they can take patient samples in under you know CLIA certification. Um, you know HIPAA rules, all of that. I mean, there's sure. a, there's three pathologists that work in the facility. You know. Okay. So. It's a, it's a full-fledged, like, hospital pathology lab with added uh, sophistication. So they're focused on, you know, the clinical trials market and bringing drugs through those, or diagnostics through those clinical trials. What tumor genesis is focused on is the tools, and that's a big distinction, okay? So we're going to use the artificial intelligence from precision. We're going to use the access to the clinical trials to get our tools into the clinical trials so they can get validated and approved and we can show success. Okay. So the moment we're able to move Taxol cisplatin, we're going to come all the way back to ovarian cancer. The moment we can change a coin flip of 50-50 chance for a woman to 90-10, that's a really big deal. That is a big deal. That's a really big deal. And that's our first goal. Okay? okay. Our first goal is modest. The second okay. goal is take all 25 cancer cell lines that we have and screen them all against the biomarkers and have individual markers that we can tag onto them that are unique. And so right. then when a sample comes into the lab, it's mixed up. You know, the pathologist runs it through a little, you know, they do this cell disorganization technique, they run it across the plate, and every woman, I'm almost certain of it, will have a different pattern. So, Mm -hmm. you know, someone will have this particular cell line, the other ones won't. This will have this one, and that one won't. And each of those cell lines are going to respond differently to drugs. So it's Mm -hmm. not, you know, it's what, what are the approved drugs in combination that work that kills all of them, not just some of them, all of Mm -hmm. them. That's what we're going for. So that's ovarian. That's our first target. Second one is breast, triple negative breast. 
third one is going to be GIST, which is gastrointestinal strom- stromal tumors. Mm. And then after that, leukemia, which okay. is the big gorilla. That's the big Why? gorilla. Why? It's just it's blood everywhere. Driven? It's oh, blood-driven. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. And it's very complex. It involves bone marrow. You know, it's it's another one of those icebergs. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had mm-hmm. a lot of success in leukemia. Don't get me wrong. Don't you know this is leukemia was the first one that that uh, uh, Farber uh, uh, Dana Farber developed uh, uh, Sydney Farber developed the first chemotherapy for in the fifties. The first chemotherapy drug. Wow. Was uh, Sidney Farber's treatment um, that he developed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he had success. He saved Jimmy. There is actually a kid named Jimmy that survived the chemotherapy. That was a long time ago. We've come oh, a long bye. way since then. <clears throat> yeah. Well, but you know, it's. I mean, it's a. It's a historical fact. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have a lot to look back on, too. So leukemia has had the biggest successes. Uh, yeah. Solid tumors, not so much. Uh, ovarian, yeah, a little bit. Pancreatic, virtually none. That's right. Pancreatic is I know. the killer. It is. It is the serum. Okay, so we're, we're going to work on pancreatic. So once we start isolating these individual cells and having the culture, media culture, to grow them, mm-hmm. and then we get them into clinical trials, then that's where Precision takes over. You know, the drug companies then will pay Precision to, you know, buy our kits and and essentially run, uh, you know, the artificial intelligence programs, build a database. You know, we have 150,000 pa- uh, cancer patient samples in our database already. Wow. We have one of the largest ovarian cancer database uh, database systems in the world, mm. one of the largest, because we're also linked to the Thousand Genome Project in in the UK, which is an ovarian cancer project. Okay, okay. so now you you see all the tie-in. So what we're trying to do is okay, let let's not just focus on the CRO market and make money there, but let's focus on really trying to change. You know the, the the go back to basics. You know because because cancer is so complex and because we know so little about it, and because I'm so stupid, let's go back <laughs> and try to teach Richard. <laughs> okay, you see Richard. What I'm so, so I'm the worst. So I'm, I'm their worst nightmare. <laughs> So Richard, because I'm if, always asking questions. <laughs> I, I know you are. But as a researcher, somebody right now who's researching cancer, how could they uh, gain access to to these new technologies that you're developing? Well, as soon as uh, our partner is a company called U.S. Biological Corporation. So, you know, it's a, it's a, a global distributor of, uh, I mean, he's got like a million and a half antibodies in his database, you know, of uh-huh. okay. cells. Um, so as soon as, as soon as he announces the kits, which, you know, they're being built, uh, they'll be available. The discovery kit is coming out uh, pretty, pretty soon. We're, we're doing some okay. prototyping on it. Um, and, and we've talked about this. I mean, this is not anything, you know, that's, 
we've had conversations about this in the press already. So okay, okay, um, this, that's going to go to the university. Have, the, these are the researchers yeah, that, that, within the, the universities. This is where that's going to go. That's correct. Yeah, okay. we, we have about 70 ovarian cancer researchers that we're going to target that we're, we're, we've already worked with um, because they've, they've used a media to grow the okay. uh, cancer cell. So we okay. already have a customer base, right? So okay. we're and then now going to ramp this up. And then as a cancer patient... How are they well, going to? Well, as a cancer uh, patient, uh, uh, they, yeah, they should stay in touch with uh, you know precision therapeutics because uh, the 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 division in precision therapeutics that is the Clea Lab is called Holomics Corporation, and Holomics has um, you know treats uh, they they take uh, patient samples from any hospital or oncologist anywhere, so they can just you know they can sign up basically they have their oncologist sign them up. Uh, they already have, they already have to do a, what to do what well they already have a they already have a drug screening technology uh that uh, you know has been used um but it uses the old technology okay so oh, okay. and and it it uh, it has about a, a you know between 85 and 90% success rate so it's mm-hmm. it's not completely bad uh, I mean, it's, it's better than it, it's better than no answer, right? So, yeah. uh, so people can can ask their oncologist to send uh, you know a portion of the patient sample. Oncologists don't like shipping around samples because you know sometimes samples are very precious, meaning that uh-huh. there isn't a lot. Uh-huh. And so they want to make sure that you know that first the patient is protected, and second of all, uh, that the sample is not just going to be willy nilly. Um, used up, and then they have nothing else to to look at other oh, than that's, going that's back really into. Oh, that's that's really true them. because, yeah, because when they do a biopsy yeah, or a tumor that. or whatever, they only have. You're yeah. right, and if, if it's like that's a right. lung it's or a limited, something, they don't have limited that much supply. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's a you know it's a struggle. I mean, it, it, this is not an easy fight. You know, this is a struggle. Um, it's yeah. it's uh, but it's one it's one worth pursuing. I mean, it really is. This is this is really good technology. So this, all this stuff came out of, uh, it either came out of Harvard or it came out of MIT. Mm, amazing. Well, we have talked it up. We're pretty much out of time. This has been really, really well, my fascinating. I've I, I really enjoyed this. I, I hope your audience also learned something. And, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, absolutely. I'd be happy to come back at any time and give an update, but um, oh, I'd love that. You know, we think this is a, we think this is a, well, especially because it's a three-part kit. Okay, so there's the discovery kit, there's the capture uh-huh. kit, and there's the cell drug screening kit. So we're going to have all three kits available. So okay. researchers across the globe can order these kits and do their own discovery. Okay. Do their own work. And, you know, maybe they'll find something that works better for patients. And that's what we want. That's really the goal. That's what we all want. What's, what's best for the patient. What's best for the patient. You know, George Absolutely. Merck said, right, the, fa- yep. the founder of the U.S. Merck, not the Merck in Germany, right, the Darmstadt. He's not the Darmstadt Merck. He's the U.S. Merck. George Merck said, 
patients before profits. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, and if so, you don't believe that, and and he also said that uh, uh, developing drugs is a team sport. So mm-hmm. if you're not a team player, and if you don't believe patients come first over money, then you shouldn't be in this business. It's as simple as that. Go do something else. You know, write programs mm-hmm. for Google. <laughs> so Richard Gabriel. Yeah. We only have a few minutes left, but I'd like you to recap to our listeners, um, address researchers as well as cancer patients on who they get a hold of. Okay. Well, uh, I I think uh, for researchers, the best contact would be to get on the U.S. Biological Corporation mailing list. Uh, That would be the best thing. Just go and sign up because they blast out you know, 250, 500,000, 750,000 emails. It would be just like signing up with Sigma, right? Sure. Sigma Aldrich. Um, And that's what I would encourage them to do. Okay. And also, you know, send notes in. There's a a PhD uh, scientific director there that they can send notes into that says, I'm interested in the new, you know, ovarian cancer uh, product line that you're, you're developing. And that okay. you know, will he'll he'll tag them, and then uh-huh. as soon as they'll get there, they're the people then that'll get the first uh, shot at the the test kits or the capture kits or the or the drug screen. Okay, kits. that's for researchers. Uh, for patients, um, I think uh, the best thing to do is uh, you know precision therapeutics. You can you know just sign up for the announcements. You'll get the public announcements. Uh, if you're more focused on, um, you know, the uh, evaluation of uh, the existing uh, what we call chemo FX, you know, which is the drug screening t- uh, technology, uh, they should contact uh, Holomics Corporation in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's a, you know, it's wholly owned subsidiary, operating division of uh, Precision Therapeutics. Okay. <laughs> And uh, they can get uh, they can get information there about you know what's available how 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 is it done who you know what do I do, um, but we're a ways from implementing this at Holomics so you know it's going to happen but um, you know we have to get the re- you know if you remember we have to get the research part going first that's right <laughs> so that we can get it in, into the CLIA laboratories and the first lab that will validate this technology will be Holomics. And then, um, okay. <coughs> pardon me. And then, sure. um, you know, you can just contact me. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm perfectly visible. <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I'm, uh, um, just, uh, contact me. Just, you know, say, all Hey, right. I want to learn more about this. Yeah. Just go direct to me. I'm, I answer all questions. I try to help people. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. <coughs> Okay, and it's um, Richard, and his last name is G A B as in boy R I E L Gabrielle. We gotta go. That's correct. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you Denise. so much. We, we'll have you back right. for bye sure. Bye bye. Bye bye. I'd I'd love to be back. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, that's it for today. Bye bye, everyone. 
We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, 